Awesome. What's up, CA students? It is such a blessing to be in the room with you guys. Like, I am on fire right now. I just have an opportunity to worship with you all. Uh, my name is Gatlin. I'm on the staff team here at CA Students. You probably recognize me from the check-in counter out in the lobby. I'm the guy that goes, hey, that's me. Uh, as some of you know, we have a lot of our team up at Hume with our middle schoolers right now, uh, just having a good time and opening their hearts to be transformed by God. So I have the opportunity to speak a little good news to us all tonight, uh, which is a lot easier thanks to Aiden. Uh, that worship set, man, was good. We had what Roaring Lion declares the grave has uh, no hold on me, the kingdom will not be shaken. In his name we are healed. Just faith-building, powerful stuff. I don't know why, uh, it was like a week ago or something, I just had this thought, you know what song we don't do here? You know the sign looks? Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. For the Bible tells me so. All right. I got to say, I was expecting to sing that on my own, but always good to have a chorus with me. Um, we don't sing that song that often anymore, do we? Like, besides tonight... Raise your hand if you sung that song in the last, like, two years. Okay, okay, all right, let's go, come on. All right, all right, how about, how about this? You're having a day, and you're just struggling, right? Like, anxiety, stress, maybe heartbreak, like, you, you're, like, encountered a breakup or something, you know, and you're just down and out, hardship aplenty. You're in, like, this prison of despair, and in that moment, you're like, you know what I need to do? I need to sing Jesus Loves Me. Raise your hand if you've done that. Okay, come on, guys. Look at this. So for those of you who raised your hand, you're way ahead of all of us. For the rest of us, including me, I don't think that's our go-to, is it? And I'm trying to figure out why. I think it's because that song is just, like, too nice. Right? Like, it's really clean. It doesn't have any life experience. Like, when I am in a prison of despair. I don't know why I came up with that term, but I don't want to worship a God who hasn't seen some stuff. Like, I don't want to worship a God who hasn't gone through it, who doesn't know what I'm going through. I don't want to worship an empty platitude with no life experience, like a fortune cookie. Like, I don't want to worship a fortune cookie. Just real quick, last time I ate a panda, my fortune cookie said, smile like you mean it. <laughs> and I was like, rude. Like, you don't know me, fortune cookie. So that's not, that's, I don't, we don't want that, right? Like, we're struggling, we're in hardships, we worship, and you hear smile like you mean it? No, that's not what we want. So what do we do during times of hardship? I know what I do. I'm sure you know what you do. But I do want to see what some faithful guys did. So we're going to be reading a snippet from the book of Acts, which is a continuation of Jesus' story. Uh, if you've read a gospel recently, that might surprise you as a way of defining the book of Acts, because if you read a gospel, you know that it ends with Jesus dying, and then being resurrected and ascending to heaven. But before he ascends, he looks at his disciples, and he's like, all right, you saw what I did. Now you do that in my name. 
and they did. They went on to do actually what we do today. They went on to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. They were invited to work in unison with the resurrected Christ. And as they did, that hardships followed. And we'll actually encounter the same today with the good and the bad. And they did that through prayer and worship, so we should pray as well. Lord, I just want to thank you for all the good work you are doing up in Hume with our middle schoolers and our staff team and our volunteer leaders. Thank you for going ahead of them and creating a space for you to speak to them and transform them, Lord. And I am praying that knowing you are doing the same thing here, right here tonight. Thank you for meeting us here, for actually entering this space before we do and creating the space for us to receive what you have to give to us tonight. I pray that you open our ears to listen. You open our eyes to see and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're jumping into Acts 16. We're following the story of Paul and Silas, who are two awesome disciples, and they're being arrested. Why? Ask me after program. It's a whole other story that takes a long time. But they're being arrested because some things happen. They are being dragged to uh, these rulers of sorts, and they are lied about. And then the crowd jumps in, and we're going to jump in with them at verse 22. It says, the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates, those are the rulers, tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. So I know it's being playful with that prison of despair talk earlier, but this is a prison of despair. Like, they're slandered, attacked, stripped naked, beaten, and tossed into prison. And by the way, guys, the state of these prisons, the floor was quite often the bed, and the floor was quite often the toilet as well. So they're just laying in that filth with open wounds, ready to be infected. Um, and the jailer, I read too, like they would get paid more to be harsher. So it's a bad situation hardships aplenty. So what do they do? Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Very cool. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened beat, stripped, thrown into jail. What do they do? They pray and they worship. And to be honest, guys, I would not have done that. <laughs> I would probably be really angry. Or, no, I'd be hyper-depressed. That's my go-to. Like, I'd be wallowing in self-pity. And I'd be, like, held captive by that. Because so often, like, those are the real prisons we encounter, right? Like, the prisons within like, Paul and Silas are literally in jail, but they still chose to live in freedom through prayer, through worship. If I was sitting next to them, I would have been the only one in captivity, held captive by my own depression. And that's the kind of prison cell I want to talk about tonight, because we all have them. Like I said, mine is depression. What's yours? Can you name it? Maybe you're in a prison of anger. Like, you spend a lot of your free time imagining what you should say to all the people you love. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Maybe there are some of you here tonight, it's summertime, and you're loving it, not for the free time, but because today you didn't have to wake up, go to school, and have this thought all day. 
is today the day a mass shooting happens in my, in my school? That's fear. That's a prison. Maybe you're a child of divorce. Maybe your parents neglected, abused you. And you did the work, like you went to counseling, you went to prayer, you processed it all. But when you approach a new relationship, you still have this instinct in your heart that says, well, hold up. I'm not worthy to be loved. I don't deserve love. That's a prison. And can we worship from our prisons? When we're in the dark, when we're covered in filth, can we worship God? I think quite often our answer would be no. I'm too weak to worship. I'm too restrained to worship. I'm too sinful to worship. So we come here, like we put on our best clothes, we put a big smile on our face, because after all, isn't that the only way we can worship God? Don't we need to be perfect before we worship a perfect God? It says that Paul and Silas were singing hymns in the prison. And I did a lot of research on this just to make sure it was right. Um, it's possible they were singing new songs, kind of like we sing here today. But it's safest to assume they were singing psalms from the book of Psalms because they're good Jewish boys who grew up in a good Jewish tradition. And that meant when you worship, you sing the psalms. So let's look at some of the psalms and maybe see what they maybe might have been singing that night. Maybe it was Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Maybe they sang that. Maybe it was Psalm 23. We all know this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Maybe. Maybe they sang, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O oh God, O oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies, they take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. That's a psalm. Like, that's part of a worship song right there. Like, could you imagine I invite Aiden up? And we're like, all right, we're going to go into a time of worship. And like, I hate them with a complete hatred. <laughs> uh, are we doing that, Aiden? No? Okay, okay. Maybe they sang Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. If I was in their prison, and if I could actually lead myself to worship, I think that's what my worship song would sound like. But is that a worship song? Like, aren't worship so songs supposed to be, like, positive and excited? Like, clapping our hands, declaring victory? Yes, <laughs> those are examples of worship songs. But can we worship with tears in our eyes? Can we worship with anger in our hearts? Can we worship when we don't feel like it? Like, I'm not going to mean the words on the screen, and I don't want to be inauthentic. Can we tell God that even though I know he is good, I just don't feel like that's true right now? And honestly, I'm not even sure if you can hear me. Can we do that and call that worship? From a biblical perspective, yes, you can do that. And how do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. We see it over and over and over again. The book of Psalms only contains worship songs, nothing else. But it still expresses loneliness, anger, doubt. It expresses apathy. 
It expresses every emotion we all encounter, but it does so with humility and in worship of the holy God, which means we can too. Again, I know we can because we see Jesus do it. Psalm 22, that last one I quoted, that's the one Jesus references from the cross. Like Paul and Silas, Jesus was mocked, stripped, beaten, and arrested, but he went on to be crucified. And as his lungs struggled for air, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So as in all things, let's follow Jesus' example. And let's see what happens when we bring our negative emotions to God in humility and in worship. So we're using Paul and Silas' story as inspiration that we too can worship from our prisons. We're going to use Psalm 22 as a template to see what happens when we worship from our hardships. Uh, Psalm 22 is kind of long, so I'll be kind of skipping through it. We already know it starts with uh, doubting if God hears, if he's with you. But then in verse 3, it immediately says, yet you are holy. It expresses doubt, and then it attacks that doubt with truth, and the truth is who God is. And that's point number one. We worship from our prisons so we can remember who God is. Paul and Silas are in jail. It seems like they're doing great, you know? But it would be understandable if they needed to be reminded of who God is. It would be understandable if at the cross when Jesus is being crucified, if the disciples needed help remembering who God was in that moment. That's one reason Jesus references the psalm. Because as the disciples were watching their friend and teacher be brutally crucified, as they encountered that doubt, he was begging them to look through the doubt to the truth. That the cross was an act of God's holiness. It was his holiness in action because the cross gives God glory and it opens the door for redemption that we, people, can walk through with faith and repentance. After the psalm declares who God is, it goes on to say things like, I am a worm. All who see me mock me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted. My strength is dried up. That's just called being real. <laughs> First, the psalmist lashed out, blamed God. Then he remembered who God was, and now he's just honestly confessing. Which is a reminder of why we do this with humility. Um, to kind of like bring it down to our level, like if your friend uh, speaks, behind you, uh, speaks about you behind your back, like gossips, right? And it hurts your feelings, which by the way, gossip is horrible. Like if you've been hurt by gossip, that's a real pain. So like don't feel bad about feeling that. So they gossip about you, and you go up to them, and you just slap them as hard as you can. That's not you expressing your anger. That's you hurting your friend. If you go up to them, and you're like, you, blah, 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 and you say all the words that we never say, especially not in church, that's not you expressing your anger. That's you hurting your friend. But if you go up to them, and you're like, hey, I know we're like been around for a while here, but I got to be honest, you did this thing and it hurt me, like, I've been really mad at you, and I want to talk about that. That is you expressing your anger. And the difference between the two is the motivation. The first two are motivated by revenge. You hurt me, I hurt you. But the last one is motivated by love and reconciliation, and that difference is really important, because quite often when bad things happen, we blame God. And there is space 
for that. <laughs> but it is so much better when you bring these things to him in humility because you move from blaming God to inviting God into what you are going through. That's what Psalm 22 does. It keeps going. It says, but you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. It started off with feeling isolated from God, and now it's asking God to come because you can ask for what you need. God loves to give you what you need. He may not always give you what you want, but he will always give you what you need because he loves you. There's, even a, there's an even better reason, too. After the psalm asks for the need, it goes on to say, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. Remember, Paul and Silas, they were not alone in their prison. It says that as they were worshiping, the prisoners were listening to them. And that's point number two tonight. We worship from our prisons because we are not alone in our prison. Paul and Silas worshiped and the prisoners heard. Paul and Silas were freed and everyone was freed. So often we think we're the only ones going through what we're going through, but that's never true. The situation that brought you into your prison, that will be individual to you, but there is always someone sharing a prison cell with you. And when you worship from your prison, you remember who God is. And you are not only declaring who he is to yourself, you're declaring it to the people around you. And when God comes and he gives you what you need and he delivers you, it's not just you he delivers. It starts with you, but then he works through you to help deliver others. When he unlocks your prison, he gives you a testimony. And your testimony becomes a key to unlocking someone else's prison. Just to give an example of this, I actually stepped into a new prison uh, recently. It was uh, last year, kind of all of 2021. And uh, it was suicidal thoughts. Um, yeah, I shared earlier, like, depression's my go-to. But even when I was in the deepest of the depressions, I never once thought about it. And then out of nowhere, just all of 2020, I just kept imagining it and picturing it. Like, I'd go to bed thinking about it. And there was sort of this, like, gross desire in me. And it was a prison. I couldn't get out. And it was hard. But I still worshipped. I still declared the truth of who God is over myself. And yeah, I didn't always believe the truth I was declaring. But that's the thing about truth. <laughs> it's powerful. Because Jesus is the truth. And Jesus is real, whether you believe in him or not. And Jesus is powerful, whether you feel it or not. So I would declare truth over myself, and even though it was hard, and I didn't feel like it was true, Jesus' power still sustained me. <laughs> And eventually, it led me to confess my suicidal thoughts to a group of friends. And they helped me. <laughs> they helped me pray. They helped me worship. They helped me believe the truth I was declaring over myself. But you know what else happened? I learned I wasn't alone. A few months went by, 
It was after Fusion, the young adult service that happens in this room. I was actually sitting right there, right next to that pillar. And a friend from that group came up to me and he expressed that he too has been struggling with suicidal thoughts and he's been struggling it for a lot longer than I have. And it was good. It was hard, but it was good because I thought I was alone, but here comes a friend who I respect, who I declare to be strong and faithful. And as he's sharing this, I get to look at myself and be like, oh, maybe I can be strong and faithful too. And then he gets to look at me just strolling in with this new energy, and he's been in it for a while, and I got to renew his hope. I got to renew his endurance. And we got to carry each other's hope for each other. When one would fall, the other would come and grab the hope and be like, let's go. Like, we can keep walking. We can keep doing this. And we worshiped. They were doing the after service, uh, like, prayer list or worship list. And we just sat there and we worshiped. And I think I need a little worship to kind of finish this talk, Aiden, if you would help me. Help me, Aiden. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My friend and I, we weren't alone in our prisons. Paul and Silas weren't alone in their prison, and it helped the people in their prison. But it didn't just end there. When God delivers you, it delivers the people from your prison, but it doesn't end there. It extends even further. We come to the last verse of Psalm 22, and it says, They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. It's just saying that the personal suffering from this psalm is going to be part of the larger story that God is telling of redeeming all of his people and that the truth from this psalm will help others come to complete commitment to Christ. And what is it they're proclaiming? The final words of Psalm 22. That he has done it. He has done it. Past tense. The circumstances around this psalm hasn't changed (laughs) The person is still suffering. He's still struggling with the hardship. But as he remembers who God is, as he shares that truth with others, he's able to see the victory before it comes. And that's why Jesus references this psalm from the cross. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we know that all who believe in Jesus are set free from the power of sin and death and can live in that freedom today. As you sit in your prison, You can know that the God who left heaven to come to earth to be mocked and stripped and beaten and killed, that he did it for you. That he is powerful enough to break every chain that binds us. And we know that because he has done it. And that's our final point tonight. We worship from our prisons, not because we are strong enough, but because Jesus is. Paul and Silas, they worshiped, and God sent an earthquake. And it didn't just break open every door and every shackle. It shook the very foundations of their prison. I know whatever prison you're in, I know it's scary. I know when you look at your prison walls, it's easy to be filled with fear. But there is something your fear fears more. And it's the one who is powerful enough to shake the very foundations of your prison. Jesus will not only set you free. He will bring your prison to the ground. 
He will destroy it. And I know that because he has already destroyed sin. He has already destroyed death. When Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake there too. The Bible says it tore the curtain that was in the temple, which was a barrier between the most holy place and us, us people. Because only the people who had gone through a holiness ritual could enter the most holy place. But for those of us who are, who are in Christ, we can enter the most holy place. Because in Christ, we are holy. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we can worship a perfect God. Because in Christ, even as we are still being perfected, we are covered, we are wearing the perfection of our Lord and our Savior. And it's not based on anything we've done. Nothing I've done, nothing you've done. It's only based on what Jesus has done. There might be some of you here tonight and you haven't acknowledged what Jesus has done. You haven't decided to believe that Jesus has died on the cross for you. And I'm inviting you to do that tonight. To be set free so that you can worship a good God. There might be some of you here tonight who feel unworthy to worship because of sadness or anger or fear. Maybe you just feel tapped out after these last couple of years. And your worship right now just looks like, I got nothing left to give? That, whatever that is, give that to God. I'm asking you to do that, and so is God. Because in Psalm 51, 17, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. And I'm asking all of us to worship daily. In prayer, in the Bible. Jesus, he will break open your prison, but you still need to choose to walk out of it. And you can only do that by daily turning to his word, turning to him in prayer. And you can do what I'm asking you to do. You can worship from your prison. You can do it. It's okay if you're weak. You can do it because he is strong. Jesus loves you. And I know that because the Bible tells me he loves you. And in it, I see a God who has seen some stuff. I see a God who has gone through what you've gone through and more. And he did it so that we can belong to him. We can be one with him. He did it because he knew that on our own, we are not strong enough to set ourselves free. He did it because we are weak. And he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves you.